and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from the monster-filled dimension of Vestroya, I'll be your host, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, my co-host, the king of games, Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, Sean? <laughs> uh, David, David, David. I'm doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. Uh, do, you have, uh, do you have anybody over there to help play, us, play a game with us tonight? Yeah, it's just a, it's a person who carries the piece of the Millennium Puzzle. How about we that? We have Ms. Melanie Harker is joining us again. Hello. Welcome back. This is what, your 50th, 51st show, something like that? <laughs> something like that. I'm blowing records out of the water. It's got to be a record. Got to be a record. Thank you so much for joining us for this kickoff of the first ever Pocket Monster Madness Month. I'm super, like, ridiculously excited, probably more than I should be, for something that's probably going to wear us down by the end of this month. <laughs> no, I'm so <laughs> pumped. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you guys are both here and you're both excited, and I think we have some differences of opinions on the two shows, yes, listeners, the two shows that we are watching tonight, because for, I believe, the first time ever, we are going to go head-to-head in this particular episode. Let's, uh, let's break this down here. So, Sean, do you want to walk us kind of through what we're, what we're doing here for Pocket Monster Madness Month? What's this all about? Sure. So, each week, we are going to watch two Pocket Monster shows, and... If you're familiar with a bracket, they have been seeded according to the rankings and the ratings that they have that are on IMDb. So this week, should we kind of further explain what shows we have that are going on this week? Yeah, we can let you guys know what we have. Uh, so the, the first round of what's going to be five episodes totaling, encompassing 10 quote-unquote pocket monster episodes, and or series rather, and we'll kind of get into the criteria of what makes a pocket monster series. But the first overall seed is probably not the one you're thinking it is. Um, <laughs> you think Pocket Monster. a little Monster, bit of a surprise. Yeah, you probably have one series in mind, which, yes, we will get to. But the number one overall seed with an 8.4 rating on IMDb is actually Yu-Gi-Oh! Which is amazing. And, our, number, and our, our seed that we have that's going against Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Horse. On, on IMDb, the underdog that we're all rooting for, we have Ooh. Bakugan Battle Brawlers with a rating of... 4.2. That's, I that mean, is pitiful, BBBB. You, you rarely see uh, something on IMDb with like a 4 rating unless it's like one of those one-star Netflix review kind of things. But this one, this one somehow got it, which made us kind of like, we were intrigued. So we decided for the first episode, yeah, what you got, Sean? Right, and so for, for the first episode, what we are going to do is for each and every one of these 10 Pocket Monster shows, we are going to watch the first episode. Right. And we are going to rank them and judge them based on a set of criteria that we've come up with that are universal for all 10 of these shows. And then we are going to have a chance to kind of discuss, defend, and perhaps persuade some of the other members that we have that we're bringing into the studio to adjust their scores accordingly to see which one comes out on top for Pocket Monster Month. Yeah, so we're going to compare them back to the IMDb user reviews. And, and like Sean said, we're watching the first episode of each series and judging it just on that. We are watching the English translations. So all the English dubs that were available on like Saturday morning cartoons. We're also watching the ones with the English slash Americanized theme songs for better or worse. <laughs> yes. Mel, do you have the criteria in front of us? Do you want to walk the listeners through what exactly we're going to be breaking these down by? I do. There are five criteria that we're judging. Judging very harshly. Very harshly. These uh, wonderful Pocket Monster shows, uh, which we are judging on a scale from one to five, one being terrible, awful, and five being totally amazing, blow our socks off. So that is theme song, plot, or like the story idea and lore behind the show, 
the character design, the element of kawaii cuteness variety of characters. Uh, number four is monster transitions or like what's the animation style? How cool is it when they like come into their own? What's the revolution look like if there is an evolution factor? And then finally, the boss element, the big bad boss, the fights. Who are the characters that are the bosses? Is it a nemesis or what is like the major threat? Which we're thinking of one particular <laughs> show in we're all, mind. We're all thinking of Team Rocket right now, right? No, I'm thinking of Digimon, but that's okay. Oh, we'll get to interesting. them. Interesting. They'll all come later. Uh, but yeah, so those are the five criteria. No, that's a great breakdown. This is why we have Mel on the show. She's very, very well informed. <laughs> breakdown expert, time travel expert. What was the other expert I am now? Just, Just a lot a of hats. Jack, jack of all trades. Hatspert. Hatspert. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so yeah, Dave, let's, I, uh, do you want to get into, do you have anything more to add to kind of well, the, the know, setup or you want to get into I, it? I know that you mentioned that you were going to kind of define for all of our listeners what exactly makes up a pocket monster because we have, right. we have a smorgasbord of different shows that we are watching over the next couple of weeks. And so some of them might involve cards, some of them might involve small little action figures, some of them might involve dice. Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways that these collectibles come into play. And so... Can you help me with our definition of what makes up a pocket monster for this month? Yeah, we kind of looked at this in in a more loose fashion because obviously the whole pocket monster thing kind of comes from Pokemon. And the the general idea of Pokemon, without getting into the specifics of what the the creatures are, how you catch them, the, the general idea was you have a protagonist who goes on some sort of quest to collect some sort of creature through some sort of... <laughs> means of of capture whether it's a card or a pokeball or whatever and then they more or less travel the world and engage in some sort of battle so you've got you know you've got your protagonist you've got your collection aspect of it you've got your mystical magical monstrous creatures and then you've got the battle aspect of it as well and then one that wasn't really it was kind of a criteria it was almost like a bonus was if there was some larger danger or threat to the world rather than just winning a tournament so a lot of these things you'll see, right. there's like a tournament aspect to it, but then there's this other kind of overarching like threat to the world that most of them seem to have, sometimes for good, sometimes not. Uh, so yeah. Sometimes, think... sometimes very subtle, sometimes extremely heavy-handed. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's just that's your classic Joseph Campbell. It's classic. Hero's Joseph Journey. We're, we're actually, we have a dissertation in the work that is just all pocket monsters, how close they uh, line up with Joseph Campbell's uh, monomyth. So that'll be a good time. We'll have to descend into the magical world. Mm-hmm. But let's do that. Oh, let's no. descend. So we're, we're still going to kick off like normal with uh, our history and synopsis for you guys, just in case you're not familiar with the particular shows that we'll be talking about. Because the ones we will be talking about over the next few weeks are going to range from, uh, you know, I think like the late 90s all the way up until only a few years ago. So it's quite a, quite a broad range. Sean, do you want to run us through the history of um, Yu-Gi-Oh! to start things off? Sure thing. Yu-Gi-Oh! is a Japanese manga series about gaming written illustrated by Kazuki Takahashi. Two anime adaptations were produced. One by Toei Animation, which aired from April 4th, 1998 to October 10th, 1998. And another produced by NAS, not Nas the rapper, and animated by Studio Gallop titled Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters. And that series aired between April 2000 and September of 2004. So relatively short run for the first part of it, but when we had Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters, four years. Yeah, not bad. And Mel, do you mind taking us through uh, Bakugan there, the history of that show? Sure thing. Bakugan Battle Brawlers is a Japanese 
Canadian action-adventure television series produced by TMS Entertainment and Japan Viztech under the direction of, wait for it, Mitsuo Hashimoto? Mm-hmm. Though initially a failure in Japan, the series became popular in the United States and Canada, prompting, prompting the creation slash order of several follow-up seasons, New Vistroya and Gundalian Invaders, which aired in other countries before Japan. The fourth and final season, Mectanium Surge, was never broadcast in Japan and instead aired in can- Canadian and U.S. markets because apparently Japan hated the crap out of the show. I got to say props to, uh, to Mel for that because we just threw a bunch of crazy made-up words at her and she, she got through <laughs> it like a champ. I was I'm gonna also give, a linguistic expert. Well, perfect. I was going to give you shit for not trying to say Bakugan Batoru Burarazu, <laughs> which is like never- the... Anglicized name of this show in Japan, but uh, no, good job, well done. Thank you. All right, I'm going to roll through the synopsis of Yu-Gi-Oh real quick. If you're not familiar with this one, so the plot of Yu-Gi-Oh follows the story of a young boy named Yugi. Now, they, I think they say like Moto in the show for the Americanized, but it it's spelled like M-U-T-O-U, it, yeah. mm-hmm. so, like Yugi Moto, who solves the ancient millennium puzzle and awakens a gambling alter ego within his body that solves his conflicts using various games, as you do. The story involves a fictional <laughs> trading card game known as Duel Monsters, where each player uses cards to duel each other in a mock battle of fantasy monsters. And we'll send There's it back so over to Sean. There's so much symbolism there. So <laughs> Sorry, crazy. I'm just discovering. No, it's so no. much crazy, though, because they don't That's go into saying. it that much in this first episode. They just kind of hint at it, which I like, but we'll get into that. I yeah. continually heard Millennium Puzzle as Millennial Puzzle. Millennial puzzle. That's the puzzle we're all trying to solve today. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I don't think there's an answer for that. And then once I realized that it was Millennium Puzzle, I thought the spinoff show from X Files. Yeah, I thought it was a Lance Henriksen was just inside that puzzle the entire time, was just going to pop out. Yeah, just seeing seeing murders take place. (laughs) So Bakugan Battle Brawlers. The story centers around the lives of creatures called Bakugan and the battle brawlers who possess them. Dan Cusso's life changes one day when random cards with special powers fall out of the sky and he and his friends, Shun, use them to invent a game called Bakugan. Together with his friends, Runo, Marchuo, Julie, Shun, and Alice, they form the Bakugan Battle Brawlers, whose members are accidentally dragged into fighting for the fate of Vestrovia. Vestroya. Vestroya. Vestrovia. <laughs> Not Vestrovia. Vestroya. The Bakugan's home dimension against the doom beings. So, so not ominous done. at all. I'm, I'm going to say these two are on equal footing just based on history and synopsis alone because they both sound just <laughs> fucking insane. <laughs> just so much. Cra- but it's, it's, it's really interesting to like look at them side by side and just be like, it's a kid and his friends who collect these monsters, battle them against each other, and then there's this overarching threat. So these two fit perfectly in to our uh, pocket monster criteria for the month. So speaking of the criteria, now we're going to get into the discussion. It's going to be a little different from how we normally do it. We're not going to walk you through step by step of what, you know, actually happens throughout the plot beat by beat. We're going to break it down and we're going to go through these uh, criteria. What you got, Sean? We we should mention first and foremost that a majority of Yu-Gi-Oh! is available on Hulu. So if you're interested in checking out that episode, definitely go to Hulu and check that out. And then Bakugan is very easily accessible via YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> unless you're in japan unless you're in japan yeah and they just straight up banned it if you're in canada, in canada they just hand it out for free <laughs> like when you cross the border they just give you a series 
They're like, here's a Bakugan. Yeah. Like, I don't here's know what a- this is. You're like in the supermarket. Instead of those free cookies, they just give you a DVD of Bakugan. <laughs> yeah, when you go around on Sunday for the sampler, they just have like a disc that they just hand you. Yeah. yeah it's pretty sweet. Canada's great. They use it as plates. <laughs> <laughs> you can use it as plates. All right, let's get into this mess. Because Yu-Gi-Oh! is our first seed, we are going to um, defer to Yu-Gi-Oh! each time. So our, each of these criteria discussions is going to start with Yu-Gi-Oh! And of course, we're going to start with our theme song. So, ladies first, Mel, mm-hmm. what was your reaction to the Yu-Gi-Oh! theme song? What the fuck? That's a great start. The end. The That's end. all I had. Sean? No, so, so what was it? What was, the, <laughs> what was the what the fuckery about it? I... It was... You know those really bad videos you watch in health class that are meant to tell you about something really important like about like stds just wait for it just understand right they're supposed to tell you about like stds they're supposed to be really educational and the way that they find to make it engaging for students is by making like a dumb word rap Uh, ah okay now we've got to it that's what that's what this was it was a dumb word rap about stds it was a pretty lazy word rap because they really don't even rap they say like a total of maybe four or five words that's what i'm saying it's lazy it's five words total. Five words total. Interesting. This theme song is five words total. So uh, just, just off of that description, basically Mel thinks that this theme song is similar to an STD. So Sean, mm-hmm. what, was your, what was your take on the theme song? It, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't super captivated. I mean, I, I've listened, I've watched now both shows twice in preparation for this. And... The Bakugan has stuck in my head. The Yu-Gi-Oh theme song, not so much, surprisingly. Really? Okay. Yeah. The, it it kind of had a sort of a, a techno feel to it. And there was a lot of weird vocal distortion yeah. uh, during the time when they say the longest sentence uh, in the entire theme song, <laughs> when they say time to duel, but it ends up sounding like time to duel. And that was, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was anything that like, I'm not walking around the house with it stuck in my head, singing it constantly. The one portion of the theme song that did irk me is at the very end when they kind of pull out and there's sort of a couple creatures or monsters that sort of zoom underneath Yugi. Okay. One of them looks identical to Link from The Legend of Zelda. (laughs) And I just screamed. (laughs) It's not even a part of the theme song in general. It's just part of the animation. Disqualified. I I flipped out. I was like, this this seems like straight up plagiarism. Like, you just ganked that IP, you assholes. So you think Yugi actually has the Triforce around his neck instead of the Millennium Puzzle? It's just an upside down Triforce. It's not, though. We can talk about it later. Yeah, we can get into that. So, so far, I've got Mel thinks that the Yu-Gi-Oh theme song is similar to an STD, and Sean Mm -hmm. hates the fact that it pulled out. So we've got a theme going. Um, what was your feeling, Dave? I actually really like the themes, the theme song, and maybe it's the nostalgia effect because okay. I even have written down my notes are like they're so stupid now that I'm reading them, and I, you might be persuading <laughs> me to lower this ranking. I'm, I'm so like, excited. The lyrics are pretty simple and easy to remember. It's because they only say four words, and one of them is the title <laughs> of the show. Yeah, but I thought the melody just... had like a good hook. I thought like it's one of the ones that if if Yo, I hear move. it. If I hear the weird kind of like instrumental that they use, which I don't even know what instrument in the world that would be, I know it instantly. And it just kind of has like a, a cool kind of riff to it. I like the montage of all the different monsters that come in and you get kind of a sense of what the show is going to be about just with all like the characters that kind of spin around and you, you get 
you don't get any exposition story. You don't get any like dialogue story. No. But you just get a lot of the visuals just blasted at you. And with the the riff that kind of goes along with it, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was I thought it was fun. Okay. But you guys may have knocked it down a peg with your your well argued uh, reasoning there. So it let's go around real quick before we move to Bakugan. I'll give you like you know a final comment on this and then your rating. So Mel, what what do you rate this out of five? Uh, should be no surprise. This is a one. Holy crap! Wow. This is a one, straight up. Straight Listen, I'm going into this scorcher. Okay. Very serious. I'm very serious Just about this. Seriously. This is the number one seated show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm shocked. Knock it down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, I don't know if we can give it a zero, but I guess you could give it a zero if you want to. <laughs> yeah, Just I won't. By I, default I'll give of it, it a yes, score. being an actual theme song, it has achieved at least a one, in my opinion. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Uh, Which it barely is oh, a theme song. Rough. It's John, buddy, what do you say? Bad word poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I, gave, I gave the theme song a three. Jesus. That's generous. I gave it a healthy three. It's generous. Your scores combined equal my score originally. Wow. I really liked it. But you know what? You guys make a good case. I'm going to change it to a three. You don't oh. have to, Dave. No, I, I mean, think I... you actually made a good case. I was just real excited. Um, <laughs> so you can add that to our theme of this theme song is uh, STDs, pullouts, and getting real, real excited prematurely. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to knock it down to a three. So well done. All right, guys. Okay. Let's move on to uh, Bakugan Battle Brawler. So Mel, once again, we'll go back to you. Only thing I have to say is this, this might shock you. A hundred percent love. Hundred percent love. A hundred percent love. <laughs> Whereas clearly, you, I mean, and it, and maybe this is only in comparison, so we'll see. You know what happens later, I guess. Yeah. But I just, you know, this is the type of song that I listened to, and at first I was like bopping along. And I was like really getting into it, and then I was like full body thrashing, excited about this song. It just reminds me of. Like a like a theme song, you just that really pumps you up, it gets you really excited, tells you all the basic information you need to know about what's going on. It gives you it. It really set a good tone for the stakes of the show about like like what's going on. There are two worlds that are battling, and like the odds seem really extreme. And Did they like, seem what's stacked gonna against happen? you? They seem stacked <laughs> against you. Seem like two I worlds think, are colliding. Actually, this it. is a, I know I'm talking a lot about this, but this is this is my last point. Is like I think immediately having no baseline for the show, yep. there was something really interesting about like how high the stakes are. Like everything is stacked against you. It is likely you will fail. So that makes winning that much cooler because you're like, there's no way I could play this game. We'd all die. I got it. I think I what's know. interesting is uh, you were talking about how high the stakes are. I think Sean has an opinion on how high the voice went in this particular theme song. So, buddy, what do you think of this one? I really, I really enjoyed it. It was something that after listening to it and walking away, I, I will say the episode, there were parts of it that I didn't love as much. But the theme song itself, I walked, I, I have been continually singing it throughout the house for the last 24 hours. Just kind of happy about it i've just been excited about it uh, it's been it, it's something that definitely got stuck in my head and i i was happy about that when a theme song gets stuck in your head like that i i think i'm satisfied it hit its mark it mm-hmm. did its job it got in there fair i am currently shaking my head so hard that i already have like a crick in my neck because i just i can't <laughs> i can't I'm so believe sorry. it i've listened to this theme song numerous times because i listened to it when we were putting our list together just to like get a feel for all of these the different episodes and the different theme songs and the, and the the first 
words that come out of this dude's mouth, I was just like, nope, I can't. I can't do it. I finished it. I listened to the whole thing, but I just can't. The whiny kind of noise and just like the 90s kind of sound. Oh, fuck. I just couldn't do it. Two words collide. No, damn it. You guys should definitely go check it out. Listen, listeners, no matter how we rate these things, you should always check both the theme songs and the shows themselves out because they're all great in their own way, but. I just realized that the the thing that was so uh, interesting about this is that if uh, uh, it's very much done by what, uh, in my mind, what would be like a college band. Yes. And their first if, attempt. If their first attempt at a song. <laughs> if this song had ended up on the Van Wilder soundtrack, I would have played this in college nonstop. It's that kind of enjoyable like I got, I just got excited about everything that was going on. I, I didn't even have to know what Bakugan was. I, I was sold on it from the enthusiasm of the people singing the song. I mean, it's at least on a college band's EP. Give it that. I will. Okay. Give it that. I think this I was worked on. And I will, I will give it out to Canadians in the supermarket. <laughs> That's what I will do. All right, we're. <laughs> let's go around with our scores again. So Mel, what do you score this one? You already said 100. percent So I got, a, I got a good notion of what this is. It's a five. Holy shit. Full five. Out of the gates, a one and a five. Ladies and gentlemen, the first seed gets a one. The Dark Jesus. Horse candidate gets a five. Five out of five. Incredible. Sean, buddy, what do you say? I give it a five as well. Yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah! Man. We spent so much time vetting these series. Maybe I should have vetted our guests and hosts a little bit more. I give it a one. You give it a one? I give it a one. Oh, it, it, so was, it grated on my nerves. Uh, I really didn't even like the visual style of it. Um, I don't know what else to say. I'm shocked. Shocked and appalled mm. right now. But I can't dwell on it because we have to move on to our next category. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going to get into like the meat and potatoes of the show here. So the next thing we're going to talk about is just the character design. And we're going to go back to Yu-Gi-Oh! And this basically is just going to talk about not just the character design of the protagonists and the people, you know, the heroes of the show but also the, the monsters as well. So we did kind of a, a separate criteria for the monster transitions, which is specifically, you know, how they are, how they come into being, what takes them from being on a card or in a Pokeball and what brings them out into the world. And then how is that transition set up? So character design is just going to be kind of just a general animation overall. So back to Yu-Gi-Oh! Mel, mm-hmm. what did you think of this animation design? Very intriguing. Okay. Uh, I did not play Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid and I really had no basis I sort of knew what like the kid looked like but we're not talking about those those guys we're really talking about like the monsters and what they look like well I mean you can you can talk about Yu-Gi-Oh too because he definitely has like a very specific style that is just it's bold Yu-Gi is like in in a realm of his own (laughs) he's in a realm of his own with his little eye of raw necklace so I think it was interesting, like, I, I kind of liked, you know, we had the Eye of Ra on his, on his necklace, and then, like, the very first thing that we saw was, like, sort of a bunch of, like, hieroglyphics that, I guess, were meant to look Egyptian in some way, yeah. and then we see a Cyclops, and I was like, hold the phone. Where are we? In myth? But then, as it kept evolving, it was like, you saw a Cyclops, you saw some, some character named Gaia that looked... Nothing like the Guardian of Earth, that which be, is fine. That would be Gaia the Fierce Knight. It was, yeah. It looked like a crusader, I thought. Like a, you know, like a, like a knight crusader. Yeah. 
So, you know, it was, they were interesting. I, I would be interested to see if there's more like historical significance and choice in that realm. You're wondering if it was more or less accurate to Egyptian mythology than gods of Egypt? Nothing. Nothing could be. Oh Jesus! <laughs> nothing could if be. If Prince of Egypt had a pocket monsters aspect to it, oh, I would have loved it. I already love that movie, but that would be amazing. Oh, uh, Sean, what what about you, buddy? What do you think of the character design, the monster design here for Yu-Gi-Oh? You know, for the character design, I thought by virtue of the fact that they all went to the same university school, right. there were not a lot of color choices or, or there wasn't a wide palette that they had because everybody's in the same uniform the entire time. Uh, the only standout that they really had was the grandfather or the grand, yeah, the grandpa, <laughs> the, grandfather. the grandfather is what they called him. In this. The only real difference that they had was the, the grandfather character right. in his, his overalls and kind of his, his cool, I work at a game shop and that's what I manage uh, outfit that he was wearing yeah. so I, I i didn't feel like there was a lot of variety even even the villain uh kaiba mm-hmm. goes to the same university and schooling that they right. do and so i didn't but he didn't, owns a company it was don't don't even get me started we'll get, it was we'll get into the, that in the plot so and the, and the sorry yeah. sorry he's not a threat if he's running a fortune 500 company he's just a oh my god guy. we are gonna differ so much on everything tonight i think it's <laughs> <laughs> Our scores are literally just going to average out to an average score. <laughs> this is good, so, though, but yeah, go ahead. You know, so he, uh, so there's, there's not a lot of variety in terms of the, the actual human character design. Right. The only notable thing is that Yugi's eyes, when he's a little, little baby kid, kid person, uh, he's got very rounded eyes, <laughs> and then suddenly when he turns into a big masculine adult and is making bold decisions as a gambling addict, he... <laughs> Has very, uh, very straight, slanted eyes, uh, yeah, you know, to kind of distinguish. Yeah. yeah, to distinguish. He put a lot of guy liner yeah, on lot. at that point to kind of tell you, like, this is where I make poor choices in my life. That's and right. you're like, I get it. I get it. The monsters uh, were interesting. I really liked some of them. But kind of as Mel had mentioned, I didn't understand sort of the rhyme or reason for what they were, what they were doing. It seemed like there was a theme of Egypt, but then there were a lot of... Like was it Mr. Judgment? Who mm-hmm. was the just Judge a, Man? The Judge Man. That's what I had written which, down. Which yeah. there yeah. were just there were so many weird characters that didn't really seem to make a ton of sense or didn't seem to be carrying the same narrative arc as the rest of the the theme of the monsters. Okay. So that was a little that was a little confusing for me. There but is where Dave, I think I'll disagree with you. Like I like that you picked up on the fact that they all have like the same uniform. So it's that very stereotypical kind of like. Japanese uniform, school uniform, everybody more or less looks the same. They've got a little different hairstyle or a little different, you know, like Yu-Gi-Oh's got a little colored splash to them. But I like the fact that not only was Grandpather uh, differently designed, but looked like an older version, like a dried up version of Yu-Gi. Um, I love that they all, they all provided the, like a, almost like a monochromatic backdrop to these incredibly colorful and interesting monsters. One of my favorites, and I, this is nostalgia for me because I played this game with my brother and we watched the show together. So like the blue eyes, white dragon, the first time I even heard that name, I was just like, those words don't even make sense together in my head right now. <laughs> blue eyes, white dragon. Okay. Um, you know, stuff like the dark magician, the dark magician mm-hmm. and dark magician girl later on are like some of the most popular characters ever. So yeah. for me, I was just looking at the, the thing as like a deck of cards with a bunch of monsters that were from all different like expansion packs and different things. So I, I wasn't too worried about them belonging to the same mythology. And then. The fact that in the very first episode, we'll talk about this in the plot, 
you get a monster like Exodia, which they play up as like an unbeatable, unstoppable force that no one's ever managed to put together before. And you actually get to see that on screen and like massive. I'm going to take a task power. on that one later. I, I love that. I mean, it's, it's one of these things with like escalation of these powers, but I love that in the first episode, they just brought this thing out and it was just like, boom, here's, mm-hmm. here's like the big bad monster. But uh, that, that's about it for me. So let's go back around. So Mel for character design, what do you rank mm-hmm. this out of five? So I, I ended up going with a three. Okay, that's fair. Pretty middle of the road. That's pretty good. Sean, mm-hmm. what about you, buddy? I went with a three as well. You go three? I'm going to go four. So we're not too different on that one. Uh, I, didn't mm-hmm. give, I didn't max it out because I thought, you know, because of the monochromatic stuff, it wasn't as interesting as it could have been. But I like <clears throat> I liked the way that it played against the, the uniqueness of the monsters themselves. So mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So with that, we will go back to Bakugan. And now we will talk about the character design of this mess. I mean, Joe. So Mel, <laughs> what did you think of uh, character design on glad Bakugan? That, I'm glad that there's no bias. <laughs> That's not like I'm a judge. I'm just recording the numbers. <clears throat> so I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay. So a lot of a lot of stuff happened in Bakugan. Clearly, there's like the the characters. So the, the main character and all his buddies. They have a very particular. I want to say, like anime fantasy look about them. Yeah. I don't want to steal any pull quotes, but when I was watching, someone may have said Final Fantasy characters done looking like Final Fantasy characters who had gone to a con and dressed up like Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, so cosplay which I, uh, Final Fantasy, yeah. Yeah, just tons of cosplay. Uh, so they, they looked like a, like a stereotype of themselves, but that being aside, I really, I liked the monsters, and I think that like there was a cool moment, which I think fit into the design. Mm-hmm. Of like, so Dan goes up against this subterra mantis, and that's what the monster is called, subterra. And he's right. like, "All right, so terra means earth. So what am I going to use to counter this like earth type monster?" And I was like, "Yes, logic. Yeah, strategy. Strategy, logic. So I liked that the design, and then later we find out about like the five different earths or worlds, and and then they all have elements associated with them. I I tend to feel better about stuff like that like that makes me be like oh there's a secure logic in place even though it's not logical at all but (laughs) there's something just about that that makes me feel really good and you know then we find out there's like the water planet and the fire planet and dark shit and light shit and wind i don't know there's a lot of stuff happening but i i liked the kind of variety that you got within that like they didn't all just look like dragons Okay, so you um, did like the design aspect of all these different worlds that they kind of folded in and then the characters themselves yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, John, buddy, how about me. you? What you, would you think of the character design here? I, I thought every character was dressed as if they were a mechanic that was too cool to help you out in a garage <laughs> with anything that you were Everybody's got weird pockets, and they've, they've got vests. Fingerless with, gloves. Like an un, yeah, fingerless gloves. <laughs> they've got an undershirt underneath a vest that's tucked into a pair of... of uh, Parachute pants. Yeah, yeah, that like, are all color-coordinated. <laughs> Like a what are they like clam digger pants? Mm-hmm. Uh, even on guys, which was a little bit confusing. So there was just there was a lot of very bizarre fashion choices. That being said, they were all completely different of one another. Mm. So I did appreciate the variety that you received from these hip mechanics. 
so that was kind of it was kind of a cool like if anybody was holding like a ball peeing hammer or like an adjustable wrench in any moment i'd be like that makes total sense yeah, total. like you could have just plugged them into zoids and it would have uh, made total sense. i would have been like yeah that wouldn't have made it, it better wouldn't have made it worse wouldn't have made it worse <laughs> so, um but for the for the design for the uh for all of the characters i thought that they were they, they felt pretty authentic i mean i know that obviously these creatures and these monsters aren't real and they are not something that exists yet yeah yet that exists uh, at any point in time but i just thought that it was you know like melanie had said you know there were uh specific things that were aligned to uh, certain elements certain natural elements uh i will say that and i guess this is more of a a, a kind of railing against the plot yeah uh, kind of how poorly they were named those different el- we're not there yet elements no, we'll in universe. There, keep yeah. it out but i thought the, i thought the designs were pretty cool like the the okay. snake thing that he he conjures at some point with the the scorpion that had like sort of a woman's crazy face and man face yeah man face darkest that was bizarre. lash is the name of yeah. that one. Ugh, oh my god there, there were just <laughs> so <laughs> i many, didn't know that so many crazy yeah. things that were involved in that i, I enjoyed it on this one i i enjoyed it a lot dave how are you feeling about this i actually I had the opposite reaction so i like the fact that the Yu-Gi-Oh, they made them what's that you would i would uh, I like the fact that in Yu-Gi-Oh, they all had like kids. They were kids at a school, and they played a card game. It seemed very relatable. These are kids that look like they were like reject characters from Kingdom Hearts that do <laughs> nothing but just run around looking for battles that they can just throw these like marbles at people and then just fight with giant monsters. That aspect I love. I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with the character design. Like you said, they were kind of like too hip for for reality kind of thing. Um, so I didn't really like the way that they were designed. And especially like Dan, the main character, he has this like cadre of, of girlfriends online and he goes yeah. and, and sees them afterwards and they're all just like super hyper cute kawaii fashion anime girl, which is fine for what it is. It just wasn't, it wasn't interesting to me. The monsters, they look like, they look like a kid's coloring book of monsters. Like they, they were all very like bold Aww. primary color. They didn't, I didn't like how cartoonish they kind of looked. They were, they were okay. I mean, it was a big mantis. They had a dragon. Um... They had like a big bull thing. Eh, I don't know. For me, they I, were just like, they were okay. I'm sorry. Mel's how so cartoonish upset. they looked yes. compared to Yu-Gi-Oh? No, no, no. Look at Yu-Gi-Oh. Like if you look at the monsters, so the ones on Bakugan to me were more like cartoonish and, and simplified, even if they were both dragons or both like wizard characters. The ones in Yu-Gi-Oh, if you look at them, they have, to me, they have like more detail to their face, their clothes, the way that they move, the way that they kind of battle. At least in this first episode. In Bakugan, mm, they look okay. a little more cartoonish to me. But that's just my mm. take on it. And uh, so, Mel, you got something to say, and you got to give it the score. So what was, your, what was your design here? You know, yeah? I changed my score. Uh-oh, did you go one up because I pissed I went, you off? I went one up. Damn it. <laughs> just despite me. I went from something to a four. You went from something <laughs> to a four? A three to a four. Oh, okay. I'm just letting you, like you in on the like secret. You went from like a one to a four that's excessive. Yeah, no, three to a, I mean, it's a four. Wow, Give it four. A four. Okay, Sean. Four what, on character design. What do you have for this one, Sean? I I like the variety. I thought, uh, you know, who doesn't want to have a bunch of internet girlfriends? So <laughs> for that <laughs> for that fact alone, I give it a four. Easy. Christ, I give this one a two. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> Damn. I was not impressed. Wow, wow. This is interesting. Not impressing me much. We're just averaging out. <laughs> it's a great do experiment. Do that. Bringing oh, Trisha Yearwood no. into the 
podcast. Yeah. I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. <laughs> really? All right, you now... guys got the moves and they've got the touch. Oh, boy. Ooh, and I won't keep going. So now we've got the, the real meat of this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the plot, but we're not going to walk through what actually you know happens beat by beat, more or less how we thought the plot was handled, how it was delivered, how it was executed, and then we'll, we'll rank it. So we'll go back to Yu-Gi-Oh! and we'll turn it over to Mel. Um, how do you think they handled the plot of this one particular episode? Um, I don't even know where to start. I guess <laughs> there's something interesting, I'll admit, about starting with something, like starting with our reality, okay. like us audience reality. So the reality for us, Yu-Gi-Oh! is a card game. So what does the show start with? It starts with, it's a card game right. called Dual Monsters. Battle? Monsters. Dual Monsters. Yep. Um, but immediately when they're like, and this kid Yugi has all the goddamn moves, I'm just like, that's fucking lame. The kid's a cheater. The whole show's named after him. This is stupid. <laughs> so right off the bat, I feel like they give you a sense of like, well, here's your hero, and the show's named after him, so is the card game, and he's going to win all the battles. And, and like, I think, so the premise of the show... The premise of the show, right, is like there's this card game, but then this millionaire like takes it really, really seriously, and then he makes it into where it's like real life stakes, right? Yeah. And so you get put into like a physical arena, and I just think that's crazy. I'm being given that I'm I've been talking a lot. No, so it's, I'm, it's definitely it, crazy. You got that. I just I just think it's I think it's a little bit crazy. I think it's a little it's a little too over dramatic which okay. i'm gonna say and then probably rescind later but that's all i have to say okay well let's see what sean has to say on the matter i thought it i'm gonna agree with you dave i thought it was the most relatable out of the two i don't even say anything I, yet what I don't, I don't even say anything <laughs> you, about the you, 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 made, you made mention of it during uh during character design oh as far so as I, the, I, yeah as far as i'm having a more relatable like backdrop yeah all right i thought that the i thought the the backdrop is extremely relatable i I grew up hanging out at card shops right. playing Magic the Gathering. Right. Uh, that was most of my middle school, so this was immediately relatable to me. I, I really enjoyed the concept. Uh, who wouldn't have wanted to be? Who wouldn't want to be put into a giant battle arena where suddenly <laughs> the the game that you were actually playing came to life in front of you? Yeah. My only qualm about that, and I know that it's for the sake of time and exposition, is that it felt so rushed yeah. uh, that at one point when Kaibo or when Kaiba, uh, when Taibo, when Taibo, <laughs> when Taibo plays Billy a Blanks. card, yeah. yeah, when Billy Blanks plays a card, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, he plays two cards back to back. He plays one card and then he plays a magic card and Yu-Gi just goes, ooh, he clearly knows every facet of this game. Yeah. He's like, he played two fucking <laughs> like cards. Just chill the fuck out. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it was it was extremely relatable. I enjoyed it for that fact alone. It felt like something that I could do. Fair enough. I like this one because uh, in the first episode, you have a tough task. In any of these series, they're going to have a tough task. They need to establish the rules of the series and of the world. What is this about? Especially if they're playing some sort of game or participating in a tournament. like And, and where to buy those cards. And where to get those cards at Grandfather's uh, Card Shop. <laughs> which i love so there's crazy shit that happens so it starts with the card game like we said that's fine and then a millionaire shows up who happens to you know also go to your school that's a little oh weird God. 
and then threaten your grandfather because he has this rare card. Okay. A little weird. A little weird, but still kind of believable. And then he sends his thugs to not rough him up or steal it, but to challenge him to a duel in order to win the card. I was like, all right, we're starting to push it a little bit. <laughs> At this Thank point, you. when, when grandfather, uh, he eventually, spoiler alert, loses this duel and loses his rare card, which we will talk about what happens to it in the, uh, the, the villain or the boss part of this, uh, this section coming up in a second. But... Um, the fact that like the grandfather has to go to the hospital <laughs> because he loses a card game, I was just like, I have no clue why he's like so hurt and why everybody is a ghost and, <laughs> and talking like, to you. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. no, no. We'll come back around to you in a second. That's that's pretty I, much it for me. I just thought it, it I, escalated <laughs> to a point where it was just like everything's fucking nuts now because you have a ghost of a pharaoh talking to you <laughs> through a box around your neck. What the <laughs> hell is happening? Go ahead. Almost, Here, I hold on, hold on. We gotta go to get... Mel first, and we'll come back to Sean. Okay. So Mel, what you? I'm shaking everything because then grandpa like comes like it, as a vision like he's fucking dead already everybody was a ghost everybody was a force ghost even though everybody was alive and just like two blocks down the street at a hospital oh my god <laughs> yeah it's because they had that mystical thing on their hand that tied them all together with magic oh marker oh my god but grandpa was... grandfather didn't grandpire didn't have that but he, him, he and yugi were related by the heart of the card in the deck that he gave him so it was totally fun. i did like that isn't that sweet the heart of the cards was maybe the one saving grace. So sweet. So um, do you think that when they got the grandfather into the hospital and they did an EKG over his heart, or like they did like a like an electrocardiogram, that it was just like a deck of playing yeah, cards? Yeah, it was just in the, in the shape of a deck of cards. <laughs> just a deck reason. of cards. Oh, boy. They're like, you're actually dead, sir. He's like, I know. And he falls back into the card universe. My heart is made of cards. <laughs> Serious black. Oh, All right, God. Mel, what do, you, what do you grade the plot of the GPO? You're going to break okay. my heart again. You're going to break my heart of cards. No, I'm I'm not gonna break your <laughs> cards. Uh, I gave I gave it a three. I thought it okay. was middle of the road. You know, it had its problems. Uh, I liked the heart of cards. I gave it a whole point. That's good. In my brain, so. Okay, and now on paper, and in bits and ones and zeros. Sean, what mm-hmm. about you for the plot here? Uh, you know, it all seemed very straightforward, relatable. I enjoyed it for that. I gave it a four. Excellent. I also gave it a four for the reasons that I previously mentioned, because it starts off normal and it escalates to fucking crazy. So I appreciated that. So we're going to be talking plot Bakugan battle brawlers. What do you got for this what one, Mel? What the fuck? All right, I'll try to keep it concise. Oh, good. I thought it was really interesting. Okay. I thought they did a very good job uh, coming at us. In the, not the theme song, but like the pre-theme song of just being like, here's the deal. Cards fell from the sky. Yeah, people like got the together. Open. There's a game now. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, even though that was pretty insane. But then I just, I mean, I like, I like a show that can start in Medias Race and not feel like it's losing breath over it. Okay. So I just felt like it did a good job there. I love the mechanics of the world of like time slows down when you go into the battle thing. And they did a bunch of really fun little bits about that, like the dad making it, you know, the, the, pudding, the pudding falls in slow motion, and then the, ga- the battle is over, and he's like, no, I've waited all week for the pudding. I love that. <laughs> um, there were some interesting mechanics. I don't know if that necessarily ties into plot, but I think it does. No, I think it does, does, because it's definitely part of how the world kind of works and how they, how they establish the rules for the audience. So, yeah. Yeah, I liked the, how the environment affects what, what's happening in the game. And you can, you can add on abilities to the Bakugan, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then, like I mentioned earlier, I loved the idea that at the same time, the stakes were like even higher because there's, there are a bunch of planets and they're 
sort of battling for this like inner force that was kind of unexplained and a little sloppy, which is what knocked it a point down for me of like, what was it? It's uh, infinity and silence. Yeah, that's a whole nother. Yeah. We can lump that into kind of the boss discussion, which how yeah, because totally. they really just shoehorn that in right at the end to just be like weird things are happening. Yeah, yeah, but I I did like that. Uh, you know the the basics of the game and the the mechanics of like the larger impact uh sort of spoke to each other in this first episode. So I liked it. Cool. Dom, what I was your take? It. Uh, it was very confusing to me. <laughs> Uh, let me. I'll break it down as concisely as possible. Good luck. Cards fall from the sky yep. with no reason whatsoever. Right. A group of kids decide to create a game based around these cards. Evidently, truth be told, they nailed that game Perfectly. because then suddenly those cards begin to reveal themselves <laughs> as being the hosts of little tiny marbles that are inside of them yeah. that for no discernible reason happen to have a whole bunch of attributes that they can use during the actual battle, which you are not privy to in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the only cool thing that I felt really happened was during those kind of fight portions was the, the slowing of time. Okay. Um, but uh, again, the, the whole conceit of how this game was created, I kept thinking to myself the entire time, these kids created this game there there must have been a hand that kind of pushed them to create the game in this way. Otherwise, by sheer imagination alone, they could have missed the mark on this and created like an Uno. Yeah, it's because the they, universe sol- is or pushing a solitary them. Game. Yeah. And then, and then it, it wouldn't, it, you know, this, this self-realizing uh, goal of, of helping out this other parallel universe would have never come to fruition. It, that was so confusing to me. I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't, I didn't really like it. And I, I kept shaking my head the entire time that it came up because I, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't love it. It wasn't my favorite. No, I, I think between the two, you kind of summed up my thoughts on it because I thought some of the aspects were cool, the way they kind of battled. So it was a combination of cards and then they rolled almost like, it was just like a marble, but it kind of unfolded. So it was almost like a die, a die that kind of unfolds and then takes place on this battlefield. We'll talk about that more in the monster transitions, but. I like the kind of mythology they tried to build up to it, but yeah, it's just like this crazy info dump in the first 30 seconds before they even get Jesus. to the bonkers theme song that they're just like, cards fell from the sky and there were monsters and we made a game and then the monsters came to life and everything is crazy. Theme song. It's like, wait, I need like a second. Like I had to pause it multiple times just to like jot down the note. He's like, my name's Dan. I'm a Bakugan brawler. brawler. Just like, come on, just give me a second here, will you? So it's just, there's so much and they cram so much into it and yet it still felt like it crawled at some points because they actually have time to do two separate battles in order to introduce not only the game mechanics of how the battles work, but then Which also... Which I still have no idea how the game actually works. No, I really works. don't either, because they were like, I won two out of three rounds, but you still have a monster, so we'll just keep playing until he dies. Whatever. Um, but then just real What quick, happened to the turtle? What happened to that giant I turtle? I have no clue. I think they hmm. maybe figured that out eventually, or just not. Uh, but, yeah, so what was interesting with the rest of it is they crammed in the last few minutes of this this whole thing that Mel was talking about with this otherworldly uh, dimensions, uh, like five other worlds, there is like a, a dragon entity called Naga who crashes and he tries to like absorb the energy of this one of these, these two like conflicting energy sources. And then he says, I'm going to reunite with this thing or we're going to take over the world. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right now? And he basically causes this whole, he upsets the balance of all these dimensions so that they all start kind of bleeding into each other. 
which causes the Bakugans to then become more sentient and able to talk to their, their brawlers. So that like opened up the whole thing of just like, oh, now we can talk to these creatures and then have bigger battles. I like that they opened it up for that mythology, but I was just like, way too much, guys. Uh, the, the contrast was Yu-Gi-Oh! Just, it was a card game. The stakes were raised because Grandfather was knocked out. And, and then they show at the end, like, um, there's a little bit extra going on. It doesn't quite get to the point of like this metaphysical, you know, climactic or uh, apocalyptic battle between worlds. It's just like there's a bigger bad that's out there in the universe. That I like that in Yu-Gi-Oh better. So let's go back around again. Mel, what do you give the, the how they handle the plot for this particular episode? Guys, I gave it a four. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I think as a personal, <laughs> as oh, a personal rule, yeah. the more insane something is the more that I love it. I mean, I'm with you on that as long as it's like coherent. Oh for the most part, I for me, it, was it, wasn't, really... it, wasn't, it wasn't coherent. I thought it was coherent. <laughs> I got it. I got it immediately. Oh, I was sold. The beauty of America That's... is everybody gets one vote. The yep. unfortunate <laughs> part of Saturday morning cartoons, we do not have an electoral college. Uh, <laughs> what was your take on this one? Uh, I, I want to say, I actually, I adjusted my score after okay. this conversation for by virtue of the fact that I remembered in the second battle when there is a moment where there is sort of the cross-dimensional change and it is not really explained yes. and a ton of shit happens <laughs> all at once yeah. and then the battle simply ends and the, the older kid is just like, I lost again. <laughs> I, had, I, I was so dumbfounded at what happened because it was so poorly communicated to me as an audience member I adjusted. I'm giving it a. I'm giving it a two. What? I yeah. actually gave it a two as well. I, I you guys. I went from a three to a two. You, you know, guys. I mean, one of the reasons that I gave it a two as well is because as I was watching it, I was like, I've seen this before. You've changed a couple things. You've added some things and like thrown some stuff together. But I was like, I've seen this before, and I'm trying. I'm trying to judge them on their own merit, but. For that particular one, it was just kind of like, I know you weren't the first one to do this, and it just seems like you're just kind of ripping stuff off. And then they tried to cram too much stuff into the end. So for me, it was a two, but it's borderline three. Mel, you have until the end of the episode when we tally these up to maybe bump mine up to a three, if you can, if you can argue that at the closing arguments. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but I'll figure it we'll out. figure it out. All right, now we get on to uh, monster transitions. So mm -hmm. this is another fun one. We're going to go back to Yu-Gi-Oh. Again, this is basically just like, how these monsters come into being, how they're brought into the field of play, and, and how, we, how we rank that. So what did you think about Yu-Gi-Oh, Mel? Um, yeah, this, I thought they were pretty cool. Yeah, this can kind of go into the game mechanics, too, if you want. We can kind of tweak it. Okay. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I know how a classic deck-building game right. works, so that was pretty easy for me to, to get into. Um, I, you know, I have to say, I think the number one thing that sold me uh, and I think is probably most of the points that I gave this is because introducing, is it Exonia or Exoda? Exodia. Yeah. Exodia. Exodia. I thought, I thought pulling together Exodia was pretty cool um, because it shows that even if you have a, de a deck building game, it really is about how you build the deck. The heart of the cards. It is the heart of the cards. Right. It's thinking about the deck as a whole being as opposed to just like individual things that you're putting into it. Um, which I like strategy in that way. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty smart in a way that um, it, comparatively it, to other things is, uh, is not always played the same way. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Cool. Sean, what about you, buddy? Uh, 
I liked it a lot. <laughs> I, I again, I, I I've said earlier the idea of of doing a deck building game like Magic the Gathering. If I was a kid and you were able to put it on a, a large scale arena where everything suddenly came to life, yeah. that seemed exciting. That seemed fun. I wanted that. Seeing that happen, I really wanted that to occur. Uh, I thought some of the some of the the sound effects that they used whenever some of the the monsters would be vanquished yeah was sort of like a whirlwind it was like (laughs) like i (laughs) like i didn't notice it the first time i watched the show but the second time when dark magician shot somebody (laughs) and he just went sent back into the void i was like that's kind of weird i kind of dig that (laughs) I, i don't know i i giggled about it for a little while so i I, I, I did, and, and you're right, you know, for a lot of the monsters that we had, the Exodia uh, realization and transition, the only thing that I, I really kind of had a, a problem with was them saying that Exodia's never been assembled before, right. and I, I was like, really? He's never, ever the, been exam- the like assembled before? In, yeah. in, the, in Like, not even for just, like... Playsies, yeah, like just, just like let's see what happens. You know, like, yeah, not not even just for like joking aroundsies, you know, to to assemble Exodia just to see what he's up to, how he's doing, what's he feeling, something like that. That that kind of stood out as one of those moments where, yeah, of course they had to do it. There was no other way that they were going to get around assembling Exodia, uh, but it was still really cool to see him. Awesome as a character. Yeah, I mean, so, Dave, I'm right there with you because like playing card games is great but if you could take it to that next step and uh i mean we're still a step from it you know you get to watch it on a cartoon or you get to watch it on a, on a tv screen but we're not to the point where you can just play it yourself like if you play a swamp card down it'd be awesome if everything around you just like turned into swampland you could do yeah. some sort of virtual reality thing and that's what kaiba i really think that's why they make him like billionaire head of a company at like 15 years old because he's like oh i have this giant <laughs> tower dedicated to a virtual reality machine for this fucking card game but it's amazing. And, and seeing these, these creatures from their, their two-dimensional designs on the cards come to life, have like vitality and, have, and be able to like take hits and, and come to life and then you know, either completely blast the other thing out or you know, kind of go back and forth. I love that. I love the fact that they were like, oh, the blue eyes white dragon is the rarest card. There's only four of them in the world. And then, well, we, we, we'll get to that when we talk about the boss battle here. But the fact that Kaiba rolls out three of them and is just like, fuck, I don't even need anything else. Like, I got three blue eyes, white dragons. What are you going to do, you little weird kid with a, you know, Triforce hanging around your neck? <laughs> and then Exodia comes out, like you said, and I love that. And I, I, I kind of laughed at the idea that, like you said, Sean, that had never, quote unquote, been done before. But I love the fact that they pulled this out in the first episode. And we're just like, look. We have one shot to make you guys stick around for this entire series and watch future episodes. So, balls to the wall, right. here it is. We're mm-hmm. going to bring out three of the rarest creatures ever and one that's never been assembled before, and you're going to see it in the first half hour. I love that. And, and, and storytelling-wise, I should you know, clarify, I understand exactly why oh, they yeah. did it. Yeah. It just seemed, it just seemed so, uh, so crazy, so heavy-handed. And a little cliche, yeah. Yeah. It's never been done before, but you have the it heart of the cards. Exists. Heart oh, of boy. the cards. All right, Mel. All right. What do you give Monster Transition slash game mechanics? I, I guess we'll tweak this for upcoming episodes. But yeah, yeah, I you... like that. Um, I give it a three. Okay, that's fair. Middle of the road. Uh, there were <laughs> number one. I seed. think 
Yeah, number one seed. I think I wouldn't give it. I wouldn't give it the highest marks just because. Even though I understand deck building games, I sort of think I just sort of don't like them. Oh, fair enough. Okay, I'm John, biased, but John, yeah. what's your uh, what's your score on this one, Bob? Uh, just for a little bit of the frustration and the heavy handedness, I give it a four. Yeah, I had the same reason. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I thought it was great and fantastic, but it did have a little bit of weirdness and a little ham-fistedness to it. So I knocked it down to a four as well. Cool. cool. So uh, let's go back over to Monster Transitions of Bakugan Battle Brawlers. Melanie Harker. Such a mouthful. I'm going to continue to surprise here today. I don't know which I really way you're didn't going like, on this. Damn I it, didn't Mel. like the transitions. <sighs> Um, I think, I think it's pretty clear that the mechanics were really strange. Like we don't really know, like establishing the battle arena is like part of it. And then it's, uh, you can throw ability cards at it, but like you can only have three at a time. And then I thought that if you (laughs) defeated one of the Bakugan, then you get it. But then I didn't see that that happened. Yeah. Lots of shoulder shrugs. Um, and then there was. Like, even when they got their extra abilities, like, they didn't really change it anyway. It was just sort of like they got an extra something. They just so had, like, like shiny that, claws. <laughs> that hawk thing, like, was cloaked in fire, and that was kind of whatever. I was like, oh, I've seen it before. It's fine. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so I just, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really dig that. Did you dig it, Sean? Uh, I did. You know, I, I really, I liked the, I loved the idea that, when these kids threw down their cards to create this this game board yeah. that it stopped time for just the two of them i thought that that was a a wildly interesting concept to to have happen so that within the the state of that universe or that snippet that second in time that they existed that they're they're playing this game they're having this fun experience just the the two of them together that being said i have no idea how to play this game nope. After Mm-mm. having watched this, uh, it is it, uh, the things are very cool. I, I've mentioned the 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 scorpion with the the lady man face that's on it, uh, the serpent that we had. You know, there are a lot of giant, crazy looking monsters, including the the red dragon. Again, dragons seem to be the theme across both of these. Dragonoid, shows. I believe his name is. We have this dragonoid character Who he that names, comes across. You know, remember his name? Was it like Drago? Drago. Or Drago. Ugh. Drago. God. That's what yeah. he nicknamed it. Right? He's like, you're yeah, a dragonoid. Yeah. I'm going to call you Drago. Ugh, Jesus, yeah. kid. All right. <laughs> Sorry, that's my So, aside. I mean, those things, those things were cool. It seemed like, you know, the only superpower that a lot of these cards had when they unlocked them were fire, was just to burn everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, again, I, I still, I, I really I loved the idea and the concept of two kids sort of heading into battle and having this crazy transition. And they spent so much time on deliberately showing you that the time was slowing down yeah. and that everything was it was suddenly within that moment i kept thinking to myself that if these kids had truly created this game and and founded something like this and that like if if a parent would have ever found out about the fact that these kids were controlling and stopping time the parents would have flipped out and lost <laughs> them it would have been a 2020 special mm. yeah. all of our parents would have watched it friday night between 10 and 11 and then the next day, they would have been like, we need to talk about Bakugan. I'm like, Mom. Kids are getting hooked on the Bakugan. Gotta get that Bakugan. So I just thought for that mechanic alone, I really, really loved the, the transitions. Some of the monsters were a little bit generic, but it just the, the transition and the setup and the build 
to get there i thought was a lot of fun that's cool i i a little bit when they first came out and they were like oh we have monsters on cards and then they're in these spheres that we throw into the ground i was like you fucking dicks like that's just straight up <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon like you can't just combine stuff but i i, I let it play out and I actually really liked, like you said, how they played the cards out to form the battle arena and how it was sort of like, you know, face down. So you didn't know what was going to be under it until it was activated. Right. That I thought was cool because it was like a little bit of back to Mel's point, like strategy. So you actually have more strategy rather than just luck in the game. And it actually, again, plays out in a virtual reality sense. Not quite to the extent maybe that um, Yu-Gi-Oh had, but, but pretty close. And then what irritated me at first, but what I actually started to like later on was the ridiculous <laughs> amount of just yelling that these kids do. They just the slow pitch. God, everything. Like, Bakugan Field open, Bakugan Brawl, Bakugan Stand. And then they have to, like, yell and it, whenever they want to activate a card. And it's just like, at first, I was like, all right, you give me a headache. But it was, it was fun. I, I got into it. And what I really liked, and this one bumped it up an extra point, was that the monsters don't just stand there and wait for their, their commanders or whatever to, like, take turn-based battle they actually just go into dynamic battle and it seems like it's up to the players to up their stats or to activate different cards so that they they you know have a, have a one-upsmanship or have that ability of, of powering up what i thought was weird was that dan at one point just like runs onto the field of battle and he's like on the ass end of this thing that's like 400 feet tall and he's like hmm i wonder how i need to how i can add 20 points of power to this one i was just like you're gonna get fucking squashed if you don't back up and get the hell out of there but, did not uh, make any sense. No, it didn't make any sense. But I like that it was more of a dynamic battle than a turn-based thing. So actually, I actually kind of like this one. And the cool thing is this is a, uh, an actual physical game that you can play. It's not just a card game. There's like, you can buy these little um, Bakugan brawlers that are like little toys that are in spheres, almost like Transformers. Huh. So then they, when they roll out, they actually unfold and they take up a certain amount of like a, almost like a chessboard. They take up a certain amount of uh, pixels or space. That's as far as cool. I understand, I've never played, but it seems pretty cool. Hmm. So, Mel, mm -hmm. let's go back around. So, you said you were a little down on this one. So, what did you score the uh, game mechanic there? Yeah, I gave it a two. Okay, fair enough. But I did forget the point that you just brought up about, um, like, the dynamic battle, mm -hmm. which I did really also appreciate. Because that's something that, like, as a Pokemon fan, I sort of hate, where it's like, uh, why are we waiting taking turns like just yeah. fucking battle nice it out battle. <laughs> uh so i did i did really like that uh but overall i just thought it was kind of it was confusing and lame okay. i don't know didn't like it as much all right john what about you uh i really liked it so I, I ended up giving it a four i'm right in the middle i gave it a three uh i thought it wasn't completely original but they had enough interesting stuff going on that uh you know i figured it was it was worth a couple extra points so i gave that one a three cool so cool. now we get to the actual uh, boss of this particular episode. Now, granted, it's not going to be like the craziest boss you're ever going to see because it's the first freaking episode and they got to have somewhere to go from there. So <laughs> let's head back to Yu-Gi-Oh! with uh, the boss who, in this particular episode, goes by the name of Seto Kaiba. Mel, what did you think of Mr. Kaiba? Loved him. Excellent. We finally reached Loved an accord, him. Melanie Harker. Yes, I think, I think we have today. I thought he was amazing. This guy was completely absurd yeah. just totally fucking absurd from beginning to end uh the fact that he's a multi-millionaire fortune 500 company owner at the age of whatever the age he is because who can really tell uh he loves he his, his love for this card game is so intense that he needed it to be real mm -hmm. 
millions uh, of dollars ki- spent on that thing to kill people with and it also that yeah um because then then you get into that battle and the battle is very epic which is crazy mm-hmm. uh I'm try- i mean i don't really know what else there is to say he was amazing oh i got was- i got stuff to say so don't you worry about it <laughs> he's just stupid awesome that's all i had to say excellent good endorsement sean what about you uh, I really did not like Kava. What the fuck is going on? I'm sorry, what? He Why can not... we not get on the same page, you guys? Yeah, don't impress me much. You know, he what? just... You, you he... channel Trisha Yearwood now. No, that's Shania yeah. Twain, isn't it? Yeah, Shania Twain. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not really that impressed. When, when, they, when they said to... When the line is, doesn't he have a company to go run? I, the, my immediate response was, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Go, yeah. Why don't you go run that company? I love the idea of this kid who is in presumably high school yeah. with, little, with little baby Yugi, and <laughs> you know, before before he enters into his, I have a gambling problem, Yugi. And so, like, you know, he's he's in there with a little baby Yugi, and just the entire time he he's a, a brooding high school student right. that is sitting there doing algebra, but he's like. Ugh gotta do those reports for my fortune 500 company tonight <laughs> way to this world oh my god i also i have to play this i have to continue to play this game dual monsters it, it just it seemed like a conflicting uh i know that this is a weird to say duality because duality within the Yu-Gi-Oh character is so prominent within this episode right. but there's such a weird conflicting duality within kaiba of trying to be a child within this space where uh, where his his peers are located and being obsessed with a game, uh, not obsessed with it, being the best ranked player in that area yeah. for that game. He has to assert his dominance and become the best, but at the same time, he also runs an international multi-million dollar company. It, it just, it, it seemed, this is what I thought. Okay. There's not enough hours in the day to do all that shit. <laughs> like you, you can't possibly fathom. Remember that he's Japanese. The the stress, and yeah. the, the weight. I don't care what what you are. <laughs> you know, I want to say anybody is as ambitious as as he is, but not not that level. That seemed so extreme to me that I I couldn't buy it. All right, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna list off a couple of things, which is increasingly why I love Kaiba as a villain in this. First of all. Yes, he's a fellow student. I love that he is isolated. He doesn't really hang out with any of the other kids. To your point, he should not be in school anyway. It just let's just get that out of the way. Make make zero sense. sense. Make zero sense. But the fact, I love that he's there and he overhears Yugi and his friends talking about like how his father has a rare card. And he's like, a rare card. And just growls to himself in the corner the whole time. I love that. (laughs) I love that he, like you said, is a billionaire, Lex Luthor kind of thing. Also the number one ranked duelist in Duel Monsters because what a great hobby. Uh, the favorite to win the championship, so that's important. But it gets better, okay? I love the fact that he wears like this trench coat and travels around with a briefcase full of fucking cards. Not money. A briefcase full of immaculately displayed cards to offer as a barter if, in case anybody happens to have a rare card. And he just like snaps it open and you expect it just like like millions of dollars to flow out. And no, it's just like perfectly arranged playing cards, which I probably would have taken that. Uh, so this goes back to the plot of Kaiba trying to, trying to uh, make a deal with Yugi's grandfather for the blue eyes white dragon. Now, why does Kaiba want, this is the best part of the whole thing. Why does Kaiba want the blue eyes white dragon? He has three. 
there's only four in the world. Why does he want that last one? Do you remember? Yeah, because he, he doesn't want it to be used against him. Yeah, so he doesn't fold it into his deck for whatever reason. Maybe you can't have four of the same card. So rather that, that than, was the only thing I could think of. Yeah, so rather than just keep it, he rips it up in front of him. There's a scene where um, I love the fact that the grandfather, when he gets the summons from Kaiba to come like duel for this card, he's like, young Kaiba doesn't understand, but I'll teach him a lesson about the heart of cards. The very next fucking scene, grandfather's <laughs> unconscious on the floor. He's like dead on the floor. So he didn't, teach, he didn't teach Kaiba shit. And he lost his card that his like best friend gave him when he was dying or whatever. Then, Fuck your morals. Man, and then Kaiba, it's not bad enough that he almost kills this guy, takes the card that's like his most treasured possession with the maybe exception of his grandson, and then he just rips it up in front of him just be like, I don't need your shit. I just didn't want you to use it against me. How arrogant and amazing is that? I love Kaiba. And then the fact that he like, he eventually loses, spoiler alert, to Yugi because he draws Exodia. And then the, the Pharaoh does some sort of weird thing where he's like, open your mind, Kaiba. And he like mind blasts. That was so oh, fucking weird. So many I questions. Like, what is about to happen? So I, I know the show. I know what happens with Kaiba. I think he's one of the, one of the best characters on the show because he's, so, okay. he's got that dual nature to him. And I love the introduction to him. I didn't realize it was as strong as I, I thought it was on watching. You do see a new contender for Big Bad. Uh, the end of this episode by the name of Mr. Pegasus, who also what terrible name and terrible character design, who also has oh another uh, like Pharaoh's eye for his own eye, another Millennium object that opened up the uh, that opened up the mythology for me. Mr. Pegasus. Mr. Pegasus. <laughs> Mr. Pegasus. How dumb are these fucking villains? <laughs> That's really bad. Kaiba's Mr. better. Mr. Unicorn. Kaiba's better. Mr. Mr. Unicorn. Mr. Unicorn's gonna come. He's gonna get you. Gonna get you. Mr. Narwhal will have something to say about it, too. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Yeah. All right, Mel, what do you, what do you give the boss on this one? I give him a straight up five. Nice, Mel. I don't know if that was not clear. No, that's a great I, just, answer. The, the extreme nature of Kaiba, so it, just makes, it just makes it. It makes it. The, he is the perfect villain. I think he's the perfect villain. Don, you have a difference of opinion. I mean, I, I still ended up giving it a four. Oh, excellent. I gave it a five. So that's like our closest to uh, consensus <laughs> for the evening here, I think. Yeah, I mean, Kaibu I, was... By the end of this episode, I'm going to change my opinion and drop to a one. Damn it. <laughs> no, Kaibu was great. He was everything you mm-hmm. want a villain to be. Uncompromising, yep. unflinching, and badass for, for no reason. Okay. And now, unfortunately, I wish I would have flipped this one. Let's go to the Bakugan <laughs> Battle Brawlers and what passes as a boss in the very first episode. So I'm talking, I'm going to make an argument for Shuchi, the fat kid who Dan plays. That's, that's who you guys have, right? <laughs> no. That's not your boss? Really? Well, you know, that's I think, I think that's, a, that's a problem in and of itself is who is the big bad. Yeah. Uh, it's that random blue eyes white dragon that's flying around in, in space, right? Yeah, and, and no. fighting that red dragon. Random space energies. Yeah. yeah, it's the guy humping Naga. So you think you're gonna say I, Naga? I think I think Naga my, was the only real bad. My ranking is gonna we, be the same for either one, so I'm fine with that. Probably. <laughs> um. Well, so that's that's already a point lost because I couldn't figure out who the big okay. bad was until kind of the end of the episode. Um. And it didn't feel like the other kid was gonna be a, a long term nemesis. I thought he was just sort of obnoxious. An obnoxious point. <laughs> um so we have this character naga 
who is a little Shakespearean in a way that I don't think is necessary. Right. The power I feel, the glorious power I'm absorbing of the energies. And I just, I... Too much negative energy. Too much negative energy. What did you think, dum-dum? And it was, yeah. And and it was a little confusing like, who he was going to team up with to take over Earth. And who the fuck gives a shit about Earth? That seemed to not be clear. And he just, he seemed too dumb to take anything over because he already made a big mistake. Right. By taking in too much, he fucked up something really easy right off the bat. So, uh, yeah. So let's let's be honest. Naga shows up at some point. He pulls out something and just goes, "Do you know what this is?" To which your response should be, "No, I absolutely do not know what this is. You just pulled out a playing card. Yeah. You're a fucking dragon. A hammer <laughs> Why are you holding a card between your two talons?" Yeah. So then he throws this card into the air. It creates this portal. And this portal takes him into the center of, what was it, Nostrovia. Sure. And so <laughs> in, the, in the middle of this Russian drinking game right. are these two like floating embryo marbles, and he decides to absorb one of them. And you, uh, the, what made this compelling for me was that he attempts to absorb one of these energies. You don't really know whether it's I, I presumably it's either infinity or silence right. you don't know because it's it, one of not neither of them seems to be a good or a bad it just seems like a yin and a yang they kind of are balancing each other out yeah. and, and complementing each other in some way and so nothing is just like oh, death another one's like life right. so you you don't really know which one and they don't really illustrate or or kind of peg it out exactly which one naga attempts to absorb but the implement like the imp the implications of what he's doing seem severe on a level that is not communicated to me in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. it it seems that naga doing this has the potential to not only destroy his made-up russian name universe but also it has implications and impact onto what's going to happen in earth and to me, that made him a much more interesting villain. See, now, I took it a completely different direction. So I didn't take it as... I saw Naga as almost like um, an agent of chaos, or even like, mm. even like Pegasus at the end of Yu-Gi-Oh. It was a villain that was hinted at. He had some sort of presence, but he didn't actually do anything yet. So for me, I looked at the boss in this episode as Juchi, who was the master <laughs> of subterra space. He's basically just the heavyset brother of like one of Dan's friends, I guess. And he's the only one that challenges Dan to a battle in this entire episode. So for me, that's why I took him as the boss. To be honest, I would have ranked them, I would have scored them the same either way. Because Naga was either woefully inept um, or just in over his head. So either way, he's not a great villain. And to be, mm-hmm. to be fair, I don't you haven't made this argument, but in case someone out there would make the argument, well, it's the first episode, they can't have like a huge villain come in and be all awesome. Did you hear our discussion on Kaiba? Because they did a great job with that, and Kaiba sticks around mm-hmm. for a very long time. Um, so for me, Shuchi was, he was pretty lame. He had a line, which was uh, once he beats Dan in the first round, he says, you fell faster than a deck of cards in a tornado, <laughs> which, that's not, I don't care what time, space, alternate reality you're in that's not a phrase anywhere 
It's never afraid. It, could, it, it, also, couldn't, it couldn't be dumber than a psychic attack where you just go, unlock your mind, and then the fair. screen cracks. <laughs> and then a tornado comes out. It goes like sepia tone and then cracks. <laughs> it just cracks like, a, like an 80s MTV music video. And you think about the mechanics. If a tornado came by a deck of cards, it would not fall to the ground. Gravity is way out of play at this point. It's going to fall so slow. It's going to so probably slow. go up into the sky. Oh, shoot, you hot mess. Yeah. All right, Mel. So we all had different bosses, I think. But <laughs> what, did you, what did you grade the boss on this one? I gave, I gave Naga a two. Fair. I gave Naga a two. You had Naga as well. Would you give Naga? I gave Naga as a, I gave Naga a four. Come the, the fuck on. Okay, I can I can see it. I don't agree with it, but I can see your no. logic. I can see that, like, because he's essentially like the reason that all the balance of the known worlds and unknown worlds is now thrown into chaos, and it really does uh, like mainly the two rest specific of the stuff that worlds, happens from yeah. here on out. So I get that. I don't agree Thank with it. Thank you, Dave. Uh, I'm going to mm. say Shuchi was the boss, and he was a one out of five. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's also good. All right. I think, I think we went through everything, guys. Is that correct? We, we hit it all. All right. I think we got to tally that. Let me double em. check, because I, and if you want to make any last-minute uh, changes here, I'm going to do that now. I'm sticking with mine. my numbers. Yep, I'm good. So do you guys have your totals for Yu-Gi-Oh? I do. Mal, are you good? Are you going to make any changes? <laughs> uh, no, I got it. Okay. Huh, interesting. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to take that. What do you have? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! I have as an 18. Jesus. So wait, Mal, Mal, what do you have for Yu-Gi-Oh? I have 15. 15 for Yu-Gi-Oh! 18 from Sean. I gave it a 20, which is down from 21. We got 15, 18, and 20. Now mm -hmm. let's go Bakugan. Now remember, Yu-Gi-Oh! was the first ranked joke coming into this. Bakugan was dead. <laughs> fucking last so mel mel what do you have for Bakugan? i gave it a 17 oh, so not really much shit. better than Yu-Gi-Oh. i think they balanced each other out though in some ways but bakugan just eh, did a little more for me okay sean how about you i gave bakugan a 21 yes! what is happening in this show i gave it a nine it didn't even make <laughs> double digits <laughs> it's a nine out of 25 <laughs> Crap. But, but if you multiply it by four, that's not too far off from the IMDb <laughs> ranking. The IMDb ranking is basically 42%. I had a 36%, so I'm with the masses here, you guys. I don't know what's going on with you guys. I want to I state that I'm, I'm going to watch neither of these shows in continuation after having viewed them for this right. episode. Dude, we got enough to go through for the next month, so I think that's probably just in your own, in your own best interest. <laughs> all right that was the first round of pocket monster march madness month and we barely survived it's going to be a long run uh mm -hmm. but now mel this is the time of the show where you have the opportunity to share with our listeners out there what you have coming up in the next couple of weeks if you'd like them to know not a whole lot of stuff is going on right. you guys uh we still have free music on thursdays at capital fringe so if you want to come hang out with me totally should Weird bands called Zomes coming to you, as well as Ohang and Soccer Team, I, who are Baltimore-based. I thought you were just so. going to play the Bakugan theme just 24 hours. <laughs> I might end up doing that. If no one shows up, I'm just going to start playing Pocket oh Monster theme songs. Can't Excellent. wait. I apologize for everyone in advance. Go on, buddy. What do you have going on? Uh, Melanie, where can, uh, where can the people oh, yeah, find yeah. you if they'd like to find you on social media? Oh, they know where to find me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, at Melanie Gwynn. It's Welsh. 
with an underscore for the Instagrams uh, all together for the Twitter. Excellent. We'll have that up on our page too, along with Sean's upcoming calendar. You can, uh, well, March uh, kicks off another uh, tournament of sorts that I will be performing in for Washington Improv Theater. It is Washington Improv Theater's Fighting Improv Smackdown Tournament, or FIST. We, if you're in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area, you can check out show dates at witdc.org. I will be performing with Knox, uh, and I will also be competing, uh, I believe, on the 19th uh, within Fist itself. And so the enjoyable and exciting part about Fist is that you, the audience member, get to vote on which teams you like the best, and then they advance into the finals, and then somebody at the very end of the month is declared the victor. And so it is all based on votes from you. So Excellent. thank you thank you guys very kindly for voting me out in the second round, <laughs> as I've done for the last seven years. <laughs> this year's different. <laughs> no, it's, uh, this year is going to be really interesting because I'm, I'm paired up with a friend of the show, Jamal Newman, who was on recently for Zoids and Static Shock, and another friend, Yulia, and I am also not going to be around for three of the six weekends that we do this competition. So even if we advance, I won't even be there to check it out Aww. and have fun. I will, I will be in another state celebrating with another friend. So things happen. But as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. So I didn't truncate it this time because I know how much Dave doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to it. Now, Dave, what are you up to, buddy? Unfortunately, you can only find me on the Twits uh, at Doctor Claw MD. I don't, yes. I don't entertain the grams. You can also find me on Collider.com. We've got a bunch of uh, movie and TV news for you over there. A lot of crazy movies coming up. We're getting into the into the superhero season this year. We also have a lot of the superhero TV shows that are coming back on. I am no longer reviewing The Flash, but don't freak out. We still have a very, very capable and talented writer who is going to be covering that for us each and every Tuesday night. I will still be covering Arrow. I am currently covering The Walking Dead as well, so feel free to come on over to Collider.com and check them out. If you're interested in seeing some uh, short fiction work by myself, you can head on over to DaveCrumbore.com. If you're interested in finding out more about the show, you can find us on our website, SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U. You can also find us on Dem Tweets, at MorningTunes. Check out Sean's handiwork on our Tumblr page, SaturdayMorningCartoons.tumblr.com. We've got an incredible Facebook page that's been blowing up lately. Thank you guys so Woo-hoo! much for all your Woo! likes, your comments, and just uh, just general positive vibes. It's been fantastic watching you guys really just uh, gravitate towards the shows we've been doing lately. So, awesome. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we've also got a YouTube account, so you can head on over there and check out our podcast in video form if you would like. If you'd like the audio downloads, you can do so every, each and every week through iTunes and Stitcher. And if you'd like to suggest a show for an upcoming episode or let us know what you think of Pocket Monster Mark Madness Month, you can send us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Do you guys want to run through what we have coming up on the next couple of weeks? Do you want to tease them or do you want to leave them hanging and, and guessing what we're going to be covering? Yeah, yeah. We should give them uh, a little preview, a little little sample of what's coming up. So next month we are doing... Next sh- week. Next week. Next week we are doing Shaman King versus Yokai Watch. Yo-kai Watch. And if you've never watched either, you're in the same boat as I Me am. Too. Yeah, and then after that, I guess we should. Oh, after we should probably tease after this that. One too. Yeah, we got a big this one. The big we one. Pokemon versus Beyblade. I feel like that's just like mm-hmm. that's like David and Goliath, but I don't know which way it's going to end up. <laughs> I don't know the either. way it should have happened or the way the Bible said it did. Um, I really <laughs> don't know. 
Yeah, and then the one after that. So we've got we've got two more weeks following Pokemon. Pokemon was right. highly ranked, but not not as high as Yu Gi Oh. Which uh, after this episode, I don't know how Surprising. that voted for that show. So we have uh, we have Monster Rancher and Magi Nation, yep. and for our final week, we have Digimon versus Zatch Bell. That's gonna be such a weird fucking That's gonna show. Be weird. We're not only gonna be exhausted <laughs> from this entire <laughs> month; it's just gonna be like crazy stuff happening so what hopefully you guys doing? a recognize some of those shows and are excited about uh, us covering it on the podcast in an upcoming episode and hopefully you've actually heard something that you've maybe never heard of before and you'd like to come check it out because that's pretty much the boat that we're in so thank you for listening please join us next time as we continue pocket monster madness month with shaman king and yo kai watch thanks again <laughs>